Welcome to Capital Connections. I'm your host, Anne Greeny. In this podcast, we will talk to successful investors, brokers, and entrepreneurs about the state of their industry and how their network influenced their success. This podcast was brought to you by Affinity. Affinity helps teams manage and grow their networks by unlocking introductions to key decision makers and auto-populating their pipelines to increase deal flow. Affinity's patented technology structures and analyzes millions of data points across emails, calendar, and third-party sources to offer you the tools you need to discover untapped opportunities. In industries where success is contingent upon maintaining high-touch relationships, Affinity allows you to get deeper insights into your network and finally eliminate manual data entry. To learn more, visit us at affinity.co. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Our guest today is a director at RGA Ventures and managing director at Enterprise Blockchain and MD at Leap Pet Venture Studio. He has run and worked with uh, over 29 studios in the past eight years, ranging from sports tech with the LA Dodgers and Nike to commerce, retail, internet of things, fintech, and more. Prior, he was an operator and helped build some early stage companies and a digital first ad agency. So please join me in welcoming Dylan Boyd. Dylan, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So first question for you. Um, I know since you were an operator first, how did you get into venture capital and into this world of investing? You know, I well, see to operate first. I started on the other side of the table, which I think is my, you know, is really wonderful to go out and pitch. This is back in 1998. I'm not sure which of you were doing startups at that point in time, but uh, I was, and I spent a lot of time raising money at that time to uh, between, you know, San Silicon Valley, really, not even San Francisco, uh, and Portland and building a company that we had started. And but that led 12 years later uh, to, to building a few other startups and companies, uh, as well as a kind of digital interactive agency that was first of its type uh, that we saw where we actually were going out and building companies for founders. So founders would come to us and say, hey, we have this great idea and it would be A for B and we'd build the initial you know, MVP of it and help them get started with that. And from there, uh, I was approached by Techstars to start building uh, studios, uh, accelerators. First one being the Nike Accelerator, which was amazing and awesome. Uh, I had a lot of familiarity with working with Nike over the years and they asked me, I said, how long do we have? And they said, oh, we have 45 days till it's supposed to start. So you can talk about, you know, networking and building a network in a time where you're flying blind. Um, it was really a time in which we started to figure out how to build networks uh, back then in, in even a more formalized way and how to build playbooks to finding and building a network in a new city, a new town, a new vertical, a new industry. And I used a lot of my business development uh, and experience there to, to put that to work. But I moved from that, the Techstars uh, jo uh, job into building, what, 11 studios over the next 18 months uh, after the Nike studio uh, in multiple verticals to go to RGA. And RGA wanted to stand up a corporate uh, ventures uh, group. Uh, and we started started investing. Now we're 127 investments in over the last five and a half years. And uh, I, I, I don't know what else I do every day. It's a lot of fun. And, and the, best part, the best part about you talking about venture, like as a corporate venture fund, we're very different from a traditional LP backed fund where, you know, we're 
we're balance sheet investors. We invest our own corporate capital into these companies. And then additionally, you know, one of the big things and why this is so exciting to me, why I've done this for so long is we have creative capital. So an RGA with every company we invest in, it's not just writing a check. You know that's important for a lot of founders, getting that check. But the biggest thing that we see to have the most impact on top of money is building a four to eight person creative services team from the RGA staff globally to work, you know, side by side with those founders and help them tackle whatever it might be on their product or go to market. And for those that don't know, RGA is a, a massive agency owned by Interpublic, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how many people worldwide is are in within? Maybe, uh, maybe 2000 right now worldwide. Um, so not massive, but bigger than you know, a lot of early stage startups. Absolutely. Um, so going back, I remember that the first time we actually connected, uh, I had just uh, joined Affinity. It was about three years ago uh, as running the marketing. And all of a sudden we get all these inbound leads. And as I was talking to people, apparently there was some guy on stage at a corporate venture, an accelerator conference, who was talking about how much he loved us. Um, and I immediately knew I needed to get a hold of who this person was. It was, of course, you, Dylan. And from the moment that we connected, I think we instantly became friends. And ever since every single person that I talked to and your name is mentioned, it's the same thing. Oh, I know Dylan. Love Dylan. Great guy. Um, Probably two or three with other opinions out there. He's not a metal man. Well, regardless, you've spent a lot of time um, and energy that you've put into your network. Um, how do you think about that? How do you think about building your network? And, and really, what do you focus on? Um, the number one thing I focus on is real relationships. You know, I think that in building a network, you see a lot of people that are, you know, fanatical on LinkedIn and co outbound cold emailing and everything all the time, but you really have to realize why you should have a relationship with someone. And then once you find it, actually provide value to it. Um, you know, the things that work out well in building relationships for me is learning how to listen. That's one of the key things is to sit back and listen and then learn the questions. And one thing I, I do constantly is I figure out, you know, I always say how to be a mensch. I try to figure out how to be proactive, proactively helpful. So, you know, knowing what you're looking for, knowing what others are looking for, I try to always be looking for those and find them and DM them or text them or email them, whatever the, our, our way of communication is. Uh, when I see something that's an article of interest or a company of interest to them or change in the industry, and uh, I think that just, people are always amazed. They say, you know, I, I often get, the, whenever we used to commute, in cars back pre-COVID. Uh, I used to use my, you know, 15 to 20 minute commute in my car uh, to call somebody on the East Coast in the morning and on the West Coast in the afternoon. So either way, I was maximizing relationship time and people would, would be amazed that I would constantly call them. They wouldn't think, you know, every three months or two months, uh, but I use that in between time to maintain relationships. Yeah, and now with obviously a uh, shelter-in-place type of post-COVID world, how are you? How have you changed, or have you changed at all? Um, I mean, some of those strategies still um, can be in place, but how do you think about relationships where you can't meet anyone face to face? Do you do more calling? Do you do more, or how do you deal with that? I have a lot uh, during the day. You know, I, I, I really we have to actually be more 
proactive in setting times to talk to people right now. You would think with all this time that people think they're getting, we'd have more time to just pick up the phone and call you and say hi. But we're probably in a meeting or in a Zoom. Like we're, we're deaf by Zooms and meetings right now. But I've been practically setting calls, like 20 minutes. I've been moving everything down to 20 minutes in my life. Um, so I have time to do work. And I've been carving out time, you know, doing my calendar about two to three hours uh, every few days in which work gets done. Um, but in networking and trying to maintain my network and build my network in some areas that we're exploring, uh, you know, I'm setting calls with industry experts. I'm reaching to people. Hey, we're really looking for advice on what you think uh, the future of privacy and data is. We're really looking for advice on where you think uh, you know, the state of investments and studios and accelerators are going to go. And I would say ask for advice first, right? People love to give it. Um, but that's been very helpful. I mean, today I had a call with the uh, Amazon uh, fund team and just talking about how are they thinking about virtualization of companies you're working with. So I, we're trading, we're trading. Uh, there's a lot of tra information trading right now where people are trying to help one another be better. And I think that's been great. Um, you know, the, the other thing I, I always try to say is I'm trying to meet people um, where I'm not at. So like, you know, in the past we travel a lot and we're at conferences and conventions and meetups and you name the thing. And so we're meeting people, but when we don't have those, right, those serendipitous introductions start to fall apart and those people you might meet, you might have not realized. And I'm starting to look for now and I'm starting to discover like, how do I meet people where I'm not is what I'm considering it, right? So where are these people? And, you know, we've seen some people flock to new apps that have spun up, right? And they're listening to other people's conversation. We have some people have, in Twitter has become bigger than we've seen. Some people have stood up Zoom, uh, daily hangings at noon for half an hour. Musa Tariq, I think, has done a phenomenal job. Uh, he's at Airbnb and runs experiences. And he took a half an hour of his day for like the first few weeks of all this lockdown and just invited everyone to come join him. And it was a random collision of people from all over the world. And like, I can't believe all the different things that happened because of those random collisions that once again got created, just like open up to your network and say, let's come out and hang out and talk for half an hour. Um, yeah. But there's fatigue setting in right now. So I think right now it's figuring out where's the next place. And you have, you know, one of the things you want to talk about is you have a fully distributed team. You have for years. The venture team at RGA is always been fully distributed. Um, and now you have your bigger organization that's trying it out for the first time. How is that going and how are you keeping up relationships with your teammates and with the other people that you work with at RGA? Um, you know, the amazing thing, um, I think I've shared some of this with you, but we're a global company. And so in a sense, we're all remote from one another working on global clients. You know, you could be working with Tokyo or Shanghai or, you know, uh, London or Austin. Everyone's not in the same room to begin with. Uh, so RGA was set up originally with all these tools. We had Zoom before everybody else. And before that, we had a very horrible video system, but that was, you know, six years ago. You know, we've got virtual phones. No one has a desk phone. No one, you know, we've got you know, kind of floating desk uh, policies around there and floating conference rooms. And we were really virtualized to begin with. Our team more so because, you know, we're in, I think, seven different, eight different locations right now. And we will be for the future. But when we walked out, when the first, you know, 
ideas that made the main part of the company said, hey, we're going to try this. You saw a bunch of people early on, you know, flashing back a few months ago of, let's try a, a day when everyone doesn't come in, you know, and works from here. And NASA tried this and I love it and it worked. Imagine that, NASA, they could all work remote. Um, but I think the, the side of it was we walked out and the next day our, our leadership said, wow, this actually worked. It was easy. We had all the systems and everything was in place and no one missed a beat. But, you know, the idea is, could you mentally keep this up for the next six months if needed or the next 12 months if needed? And uh, a lot of benefits. We've, we've learned what tools to use. So outside, I mean, we've used Affinity for years. And, you know, I go back to a little product plug in the sense that we looked for everything because we were so virtualized of how we could do this. We want to make another Google spreadsheet. We want to make another, you know, instance of this, another instance of that. And it's, it was just repetitive work and you start losing everything and they're not actually actively capturing the relationship. So if Jonathan on my team in North Carolina is on a phone call with someone else today and then I'm going to reach out to them this afternoon, I now know that's occurred. And we're not slacking each other, DM or texting each other, or emailing. And we've, it's really reduced the amount of need for constant communication because it's passive. Um, but we looked for a lot of tools like that. And just basically, how do we get smarter and use these tools to help us, whether it's from a, a video conference like this, or whether it's of sharing of, of documents and files, or whether it's of um, doing diligence in a whole new way. We've, we've had a lot of these systems in place. And, and I think that if anything, we're going to find more over the next few weeks. We're in a pretty big hunt globally as an agency. You think about all the things you might do in house as a studio and creative and production. Um, you know, how do you shoot the next commercial if there aren't commercial shooting teams out in the field available over the last few months? You know, and that was a massive challenge that got solved. And it's a great time for creativity. Yeah, absolutely. And with those relationships within your team, because it's not only just getting work done and not stepping over each other, um, but it's also like, how do you maintain these relationships? And you guys have been doing it for so long. Um, my my um, biggest issue with this Zoom, where I love being remote, it's everything has an agenda. Every call is an agenda. So how do you get around that? Um, a few different ways. We definitely have agenda-driven calls. Those are not going to go away. They're not going to be every one. You know, I, I, one fun thing, every office has done a few different things. That's, you know, Austin, Chicago, New York, people are doing different things. We have a culture channel, uh, which is spun up, and people are really just sharing things in, in culture. On Slack? On Slack, which is now becomes like people hang out and talk about it, like impromptu during the week. We have a... Uh, noon East Coast time every day uh, global group meditation class that goes on so everyone in the organization can jump on and and then zoom is done with somebody doing guided meditation for a half an hour as a collective whole uh, we have in the Portland office we have cribs and cribs is phenomenal uh, just you think back to MTV cribs when you have to come to your front door and welcome everybody in and take them room to room show them what's in your fridge there's a crib session uh, that happens, you know, once or twice a week. And it's really just connecting with your peers like you would, you know, downstairs, you know, in our office or in the, in the, in the uh, kitchen. Or you have to have those same types of interactions. And everything can't just be work and agenda driven. Trust me, I mean, everyone is working 
30% harder, 40% harder than they ever have before. Yeah, I think it's so important to, you know, hang up the Zoom every now and then and just have a phone call. I know you've mentioned that before too, um, and not have just that detailed agenda uh, because otherwise your entire day, you have every moment is uh, planned out. And sometimes it's nice just to, to have that water cooler conversation in a more casual setting. Uh, as the weeks go on, this is week 13, I think, um, for everyone, uh, that the amount of people that start with video on in a conference has dramatically changed. Uh, the majority of people are going there, are you know not having to actually participate or just want to be on a voice-only call. Uh, Zoom is becoming a conference call again. Um, and that's okay. We've actually got some people as well that are you know, going to do something that's going to sit out in the backyard while they're doing these things. We're going to have some people go for a drive while they're on some of these conference calls because they just need to passively go do something else uh, to take them out of that repetitive process. Yeah, it's tough when your commute is only a few feet. It's great <laughs> some days and other days you need to, to change it up. Um, so I want to talk about like how you guys think about investing now and especially in how, you know, you don't have the same opportunity to meet again, people face to face. Uh, has your investment strategy changed at all in this shelter in place world? You know, I, in, in some ways when we used to use a lot of our offices, if people were in London or in, you know, Asia, uh, to meet some of the companies we would look at ahead of time in person, to get a litmus test, uh, we've made a ton of investments without ever physically being in the same room as one another over the years. And I think that is done by a few ways. One, you do a lot of your homework and diligence and research. Uh, you've over prepped prior to the first call before you've, you know, even the warm intro call. Uh, again, you know, we capture everything into affinity so we can all look at it. We use a few different variations of uh, investing Never, I mean, I have a company recently, one's in Lithuania, one's in Wales, uh, one's in St. Louis. We never met in person before we made that investment, you know, three months ago. Uh, it was all via video and phone calls and talking through what do they think. I mean, it's a lot more of getting to know the people in a virtualized way. And, you know, we do a few things. We, I always kind of think of a divide and conquer. So sometimes... You know, the two of us would interview a founder and we'd do it at different times, the same list of questions and compare the answers. Sometimes we put, you know, two founders in the same room and it's easier when you're in person. Uh, but we look at body language and we look at eyes when we're talking to them and asking the questions. And, you know, if you're to answer a question and somebody else is there in the room as a co-founder listening to it, we look and see the smile, the eyes. And, you know, what, is, what does the body language say? Like, are they uncomfortable with the answer? Um, so we look yeah, at- Yeah, they go, what? <laughs> you know, you know something's up. Did you just say that? <laughs> dead giveaways. Uh, you know, and a lot of times if, if we ask, we'll also record some of these uh, interviews and we'll share with some other partners on the team because not everyone's going to have time to jump on everything. And so where you might have an in-person partner presentation or meeting or other things in the past, um, you can do this now through a, a collection of videos that you store for the week and then delete. Um, we're trying to figure out, you know, those best ways. We're looking into 2021 and trying to figure out what do we do? And we can't just, you know, we talk about Zoom speed dating. We can't do this, you know, 1,500 times 
to find the next 10. Um, but we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I think we'll get back to some in person, uh, but I would probably, I, I would bet that 80%, 70% end up being done like this right now. And how are you leveraging, just because I have to ask, how are you leveraging Affinity in that, that instance when you have multiple people at your firm possibly meeting multiple people at a company? Um, can you dig in a little bit more there of how you're using it best? For this call, uh, this, this call uh, of 35 active things we're looking at. And we just did a quick stand-up, actively updated statuses together on a Zoom uh, through a shared system of our hot sheet system we're using on, on ours which is a combination of all the things we're looking at, but really what needs to be touched this week and addressed this week. So we use that to get, you know, there were seven of us on this call going through the status of it. If there was any other meetings or calls or things we missed or ideas uh, that should be shared, we're putting it into Affinity in the notes. Our favorite thing as well, you know, from document capture, um, I don't have to say, hey, Ann, can you forward me that email that has that attachment? It's there. Um, but we're also very private in the way we use privacy is a huge important factor to us on that where if you and I are emailing and the other person is not involved in the process directly in the conversation, they're never going to see the content of our emails. You know, we've turned all the privacy settings on so that unless you're on that email to begin with, you'll have access to the content. If you're not, you're not, you won't ever see it. So we take a lot of that pretty seriously. I mean, it's not because we're looking at so many things. It's just that's how people should be treated in conversations. Uh, great that Affinity captures everything, but it's also even better that we can control what, it's, what it kind of sources out to people. Yeah, that was one of the early features that knowing having to build out robust privacy settings so you have the flexibility to control it how your team needs to control it. Um, so who sees what data and, and so forth. Um, well, awesome. So being cognizant of time, and I know we've got some pro tips from Jovi, and I want to go through what we like to do is a little bit of a quick fire. So let's just roll through, uh, answer them as quick as you, as, as you can. So um, what do you miss most now that your shelter in place? I'm sorry, what was it? I miss friends. I mean, when we get together, right? See your friends and Connecting with people. I think that's, I miss the most. Uh, favorite concert you've ever been to? Um, I think seeing uh, Eddie Vedder playing outside of Nashville on Justin Timberlake's farm two years ago on a Sunday night when he lost, lost his stuff uh, was amazing. Probably best concert I've seen in a long time. That's awesome. Uh, any TV shows you're watching or binging on now that you're stuck at home? I have a favorite that I'm trying to slow roll because I don't want to. I don't want to swallow it too fast. It's called Black Monday with Don Cheadle. Uh, I just love him as an actor, and uh, it's a pretty pretty great show. So good. Loved him with Kristen Bell even more, but yeah, such a great show. Uh, weirdest thing you've purchased since you've been uh, shelter in place? Uh, has probably been a lot of things. Um, you know, I actually just bought a uh, 1500 watt, it's like a remote, like almost like a battery the size of one of these, but it's to restart your car if the battery dies. Oh, my dad bought me that too. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's driving their cars right now. And my, I know, I know it's going to happen to one of us soon. Yeah. Uh, any books that you recommend? Um, you know, there's a, there's a 
perennial favorite I have, uh, and it's called Collapse. And I've probably read it now seven or eight times, and it's even more relevant right now. It's uh, Why Societies Succeed or Fail. And it's not really for the idea of society as a whole, like the U.S. or something, but it goes through like historical societies and even like gives you ideas of how tribes like startups, what happens inside of the inner networking and the relationships and decision-making process, whether it's a mining town in Montana or, you know, Sumerian civilization or a small company that starts up in the Midwest, it gives you kind of a framework to revisit. I think it's one of those I always look at. Awesome. And uh, do you play video games or have you? I know you have kids, so are you playing any with your kids? I play video games a lot more because they suck at a lot of these new ones. Uh, I'd like to get into Call of Duty or Fortnite, but it's just not in the cards. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, Dylan. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or to connect with you? Uh, really open. You guys can find me uh, at Twitter at DT Boyd. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I will respond uh, if you want to reach out and, and talk. I, I set up uh, some batches of open office hours each week in my calendar. So, you know, if you want to find time, 20 minutes to, to talk, we'll see if I can be helpful or not. Uh, reach out. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for joining us today. And thank you all for listening. This podcast was produced by Affinity Senior Growth Manager, Faison Medi. Music was produced by Affinity's engineering manager, Rohan Sahai. This podcast was brought to you by Affinity. Affinity helps teams manage and grow their networks by unlocking introductions to decision makers and auto-populating pipelines to increase deal flow. Affinity's patented technology structures and analyzes millions of data points across emails, calendar, and third-party sources to offer you the tools you need to discover untapped opportunities. In industries where success is contingent upon maintaining high-touch relationships, Affinity allows you to get deeper insights into your network and finally eliminate manual data entry. To learn more, visit us at affinity.co or email us at marketing at affinity.co. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.